Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to a brand new edition of Freedom Books, Flowers in the Moon, the podcast brought to you each week by the Times Literary Supplement. My name is Stig Abel and I am the editor of the TLS and I'm back with Thea Lenarduzzi. Thea, how are you? I'm okay. How is Alf? Alf is less okay. Um, I mean, he's all right. He's post-op. What was wrong with him? Uh, well, he he's male, and he's not he's not allowed to express his maleness in in, in the fullness of oh, nature's of, in, how nature intended exactly. Oh, so uh, so he's he's feeling a little sorry for himself. He and he's also determined to get to the site of his phantom. Oh. Uh, yeah. So uh, he he is now wearing a cone, a onesie, and a neck brace. He's he's very it's very like some sort of dystopian unimpressed. nightmare, isn't it? It's horrible, and he just I think he sees me as his oppressor. Wow. Which at the moment I suppose I am. Yeah, you're you're it's a, it's sort of a gynocracy for him. <laughs> in a sort of it's a sort of modern version. It's a male version of the Handmaid's Tale for him, is it basically? <laughs> Gilead for dogs, but inverted. In his hood. Yeah. Oh. There's a story there, probably. Uh, food and drink issue for Christmas coming along, okay? Yeah. Are you, are you worried? No, I've, I've read some of this. Stuff. Are we getting a t- tiki thing about? I hope we are. It's it's very much underway. So in terms of teasers, I will say to you um, Marie's Condé. I will say to you Wine and Volcanoes, Cultural History of Tiki. Uh, future of food? The, well, so it's, yeah, it's the, it's the past and future. So, I mean, I, I figure we're at the end of a decade. We're looking into another decade of, of new food policy, food methods, security, international relations. So we're going to have a huge, sprawling account of the... Hurrah of the future and, and, and recent past of food. Will that include Hawaiian pizzas? The tiki thing will, won't tiki it? Tiki doesn't, actually. Oh. <laughs> we can sort that out later. Uh, I hope all of you had a look at the new print version of the TLS and like the design. The new website will be launched by the time you hear this, and I hope you like that too. And there's also a TLS shop where you can buy our books by Lee Child and Virginia Woolf and some merch as well. If you want a cheap subscription, especially as a gift this Christmas or Thanksgiving, stop what you're doing and do this. If you live in the US or Canada, go to podcast.the-tls.com. And if you live anywhere else, including the UK, then go to the-tls.co.uk forward slash pod 19. 
2019. £5 or $5 for five issues. Right, coming up this week, Books of the Year. David Horsepool has curated, as I believe the modern word is, a whole bunch of submissions, which he does every year and moans a lot about it. And he'll be on with some TLS editors to discuss the selections and help us make some of our own. Every serious newspaper does a Books of the Year feature, a festival of showing off, log rolling and general literary frolicking. But I think the TLS version is unique in the range of books and contributors that get included. This year, no book was chosen more than twice and the only double nominees were Think, Write, Speak, a collection of Nabokov marginalia and two French novels, Serotonin by Welbeck, a sort of state-of-the-nation political novel and Animalia by Jean-Baptiste Delamo a saga of pig farmers. What are we to conclude from that? And what would our books of the year be? And by our, I mean TLS editors, like David Horsepool, the man who puts the list together, moaning lustily as he does, the doctor, Michael Keynes, northern pop star and web guru, Lucy Dallas. And they're all here to tell us. Hello. Hello. Moaning lustily. (laughs) Uh, I I don't recognise that description. (laughs) Do you complain about this, David? Do you enjoy doing it? I think you're drawing the curtain aside on the magic that creates this every year a little bit. But yes. Yeah, I think people will be able to draw their own conclusions from that. Repeat nominations go to a Russian and two Frenchmen. Yes. Is this a sort of... Do you think this is a sign of globalism, the response to Brexit that people were waiting for? No, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I think it's the broad sympathies of our cultivated contributors, as always. And I also noticed there are some very British choices amongst them. Go on. Such as, well, Keith Miller chose Nicola Barker's I Am Sovereign. And yeah. he describes it as a novel in which the action takes place during a 20-minute house viewing in Clandidna. Which you <laughs> couldn't get um, that's not that more cosmo- of our island That's than not that. cosmopolitan, is it? No, and then you've got Claire Carlyle choosing various George Eliot-themed books yeah. to go with the... Bicentenary of her birth, and um, Craig Rain choosing the Poet Laureate's latest yeah. Simon Armitage's Sandetti Light Vessel Automatic, which all our American listeners will know is um, part of the shipping forecast. I've interviewed Britain. him about that, and I d- didn't know that it was. You I didn't know I, it was part of the I've shipping forecast. I've forgotten. I probably you, must have known when I switched it off. Maybe. Did you say so? Where'd you get the weird name from? Simon? Yeah, exactly. Did I, you? I, no, Brilliant. I didn't. But I do oh. ask <laughs> stupid questions like that. And also, there is one Brexit book on the list. There is a Brexit book on the list. Who has chosen that? Michael um, Hoffman. Michael Hoffman. It feels course. like the barometer needle has quit Belle Lettre and is stuck on Doc, give it to me straight. Increasingly, one reaches for non-fiction accounts of the ambient calamities bearing down on the species. No doubt the English spring is one of the least of these. But for purity of idiocy, persistent deludedness and revelation of depths of nastiness to- towards one's own and others, it's hard to beat Fintan O'Toole's heroic failure, Brexit and the politics of pain. I had to read that a couple of times, but I think he doesn't like it, does he? Brexit. No, he likes <laughs> I think, the book. I think he likes he the book. Like but, no, but does he really like the yeah. book? Yeah, absolutely, because Fintan O'Toole is a It was much, much, it's much uh, lauded, that book. Uh, yeah, very critical of the whole He Brexit also says... Project. Because he's telling the horrible story brilliantly, is that what he yeah, means? Yeah, it's Indeed. a sterling misapplication of the author's gifts of intelligence and understanding. I wish it 60 million readers. 
But that's what I thought he meant because it's a missile. I'm not very good at reading, actually. Think, that's a problem. <laughs> I think he wishes that he had not had to, that yes. Fintan O'Toole had not had to write such a book. His application could have been on a better subject, exactly. but there was, this was the necessary subject. I corresponded with Michael Hoffman the morning after the referendum result. And you can imagine our exchange. Oh. <laughs> I remember seeing you the morning after the referendum. Yeah, I think I. Yeah. You were. You were not. I was in not a, very happy. You were not in a good. No, I was not, not in a good, good shape. place. Who knew that three years later we'd still be. We'd still, we'd still be talking about. It. There aren't that many political books. Do you know, that they no, write? I thought. Aren't, are there? Last but, year there was democracy. A his, was it democracy? A history or something like that? There've been some political books yeah, often in this list. And wasn't there? But no, this year they haven't gone very political. Even Paul Collier, who usually can be relied upon to pick up quite a. What's he gone He's gone for a social science book, uh, Blueprint, by yeah. Nicholas Christakis. And Serotonin. And indeed, Michelle Welbeck. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there are some rule breakers here. Yeah, we like it. I, I do try... Do you allow... To, how, how stern a master of this are you, David? I, well, I try and be pretty stern on please don't recommend your uh, you know, wife, child or... Sisters, the log roll. Will that, the will log that, roll. Will that apply to you as well, David. It absolutely might. Um, <laughs> we shall have to see. Oh, okay. um, I believe someone closely did publish a book this year. Yes, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Very good book. Very good book. My wife uh, Julia Bueno wrote a book, <laughs> and it's called, a brilliant book. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Brink of Being, <laughs> yeah. and I can highly recommend it. Well to done. Everyone. Well done. Uh, but how moving much, on, how much attempts at log rolling are there? Um, very little, actually. Really? Uh, I I don't think I had to tell anyone not to do it this year. I have in the past, but people seem... Once you actually ask them not to do it, then they don't do it because lots of people have read lots of books that we ask. Yeah. And therefore, they're perfectly capable of not doing it. It's just not. some people think that's what they're supposed to do is to pick their friends' to books. Their friends. But once you tell them not to, they don't mind. But there are some rule breakers here. There are some people who don't pick books that were actually published this year and I don't mind if they were published last year because they're usually out in paperback or they were published on different sides of the Atlantic there are though cases of people who choose books published in 1901 Stephen uh, Brown, written on the cusp of the 20th century Thomas Mann was only 25 <laughs> Budden Brooks looks back at a 19th century family saga from a distinctly modern perspective should you have any lingering nostalgia for that period this book is guaranteed to rid you of it Michael that period's a bit late for you isn't it oh it's terribly late the 19th talking century talking about the future I have no <laughs> idea what he means uh, Michael you, just, you don't like prizes as we people listening to this podcast will know oh yeah terrible uh, you're, things. A, you're, terrible a, you're a vast who would involve themselves in literary prizes exactly I know it's a terrible thing <laughs> I do feel the same about books of the year. Do I, it does disturb me for some <laughs> unknown reason. However, I like I like that there are rule breakers yeah. um, because well, it's more honoured in the breach, isn't it? I like that people's enthusiasm bubbles over. That that said, like I can't quite place what it is that disturbs me about the whole books of the year phenomenon. But it is like if you read a few in other papers, which are of course infinitely inferior. Sorry, other papers. Um, but you are being hit over the head repeatedly by the same recommendations, and often you have seen them already in prize lists or their bestsellers or the things you would have come across anyway. I think the TLS list is quite distinctive. I was looking back at some some previous I versions. I saw you doing this. I think something that has changed is that maybe it depends who's asking what exactly the question is, all that kind of thing. But it used to be a lot more about 
languages other than English. Yeah. This has completely, almost completely disappeared. It does happen, but it's nothing like what it was. It used to be called the International Books of the Year, didn't it? International Books of the Year. And I think people thought they had to choose a book in a foreign language, which was Mm. a a sort of Olympian constraint, as our (laughs) managing editor might say, which would just, I think, be a bit excessive, really, and not very helpful to quite a lot of readers. There's a danger of showing off as well, isn't there, sort of naming the most recondite subject you could ever Mm. do. It didn't feel like this this occasion. This was a strange combination of books, like you say, Michael. It's not bestsellers, really. I wonder how many of these are bestsellers. There's one mention of the book winner. Tom yeah. Stoppard recommends Bernadine Evaristo's Girl, Woman, Other. That's the only one, I think, it's for that. About the only recommendation that Lee she Child. could get, which might actually add to her her sales, yeah, getting exactly. Tom Stoppard on the back. And Ro- might be Robert useful. Irwin. Robert Irwin recommended a the new book. A little-known author, Lee Child. Has anyone read the new book by Lee Child? <laughs> well, he's, he's referring to a different new yeah, book. Yeah, I can't believe you had an opportunity to talk about the new book by Lee Child, not put our one. Actually, that, you've got a point. Yeah, he, but you picked entirely the wrong one. He said, yeah, he said like his numerous novel as well. predecessors, the thriller Blue Moon by Lee Child is in a class of its own for the thoroughness of its research, its inventive and somewhat violent plotting, and above all, for the, its extraordinary narrative suspense. Robert Owen is a big fan of the genre novel. He, yes. of course, did that review recommending A Man on a Donkey, yes. which he said was the greatest historical novel ever written. Absolutely. And I went to read it on the back of that. And you and? agreed. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, it was good. It was fine. It was a very long novel about the pilgrimage of grace. Yes, it's a bit drawn out. Yeah, it? it's fine. I've read a lot of historical novels, movie. and I like it. So, I, I mean, I, I I thought it was good. I didn't think it was the best ever. But he obviously likes his genre stuff. Robert Irwin's Books of the Year selection also brings us something else that is so joyous about this feature, David, which is the eclecticism, <laughs> the range. Quite often, a contributor will choose two or three, sometimes four books, I think. He chooses two, and they're very, very different. There's Lee Child, yep. and then what's the other one? It's a 3,000-year history of... People's yeah, tribes and empires. Smith, I've read both there? of them yes. with in a weird Show, development. Showing off. Yeah, thank you. Keith Miller, I think, should also win some kind of prize for eclecticism. Go on, what's he doing? Because he has um, Nicola Barker's new novel, which you mentioned before, I Am Sovereign. Then he has For the Good Times by David Keenan, which would be Goodfellas transposed from Brooklyn to the Ardoin and with Kenneth Anger in the director's chair instead of Martin Scorsese, as well as Fabulosa, the story of Polari, Britain's secret gay language by Paul Baker, and chamber music about the Wu-Tang Clan in 36 pieces. And he, he describes uh, imagining Rizza composing rhymes on long walks around Staten Island like Wordsworth in a puffer jacket. That seems like a <laughs> deliberate quest for eclecticism, don't you feel? Well, I was I more exercised him. by whether Puffer Jacket needed to be upper or lower case. What, so I was what did you please? Uh, it's a proprietary name for oh. so uh, people. So oh, the jackets it needs to be. are available. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're allowed yeah. to that. My favourite rule breaker was Clive Stafford Smith. Who yes. Oh, think, yes. Who I think is possibly my favourite rule breaker in life generally. Uh, <laughs> he does, in fact, uphold the law. Well, he does. In, he in up- every fibre of his being. He does. But he upholds the law <laughs> in a slightly uh, anarchic against the establishment way, I feel. You know, he stands up for people who who are being ignored who by need, the law. Who need the, yeah. And he, we've got a piece from him next week, actually, about the last Afghan in Guantanamo, which is just the most shocking story. This is a guy in Guantanamo. He's been in there for several years. He has committed no crime... They are not even prosecuting a case against him. They have conceded that there is no case to answer against him. And Donald Trump, because he tweeted in 2017, no more releases from Guantanamo Bay, he's just in Guantanamo Bay. Because it's beyond the law. Uh, and it's like something from the 18th century France. It's like a lettre de cachet. It's yeah. just like... And it's the fact that that kind of... And I know he writes quite often for us, and he says 
tells these stories and you kind of think, oh, yeah, it's another story from... It's, it's they still, never cease to shock. It still baffles me mm. that, that, that how, in a world of habeas corpus and, you know, yeah, the, the rule of law, how is that possible? I just... it's it, Anyway, so he does that, and it, which I think is very laudable and great, but he is actually rather brilliantly and this is, is this is this the last afghan and guantanamo guy he's actually handed over his nomination to uh, he's sending them to one of his clients in guantanamo he's got more than one ahmed rabani who has recommended rather brilliantly solitary by albert woodfox about the 44 years he spent in isolation as a member of the angola three in louisiana i was amazed that the u.s mistreats its own people the way they do us and he says, Solitary is an extraordinary book. And for someone like me who has been in isolation for years, it underlined my predicament. I thought it was a rather, that's a really that's good use of the books of the year. Bit of rule breaking, I thought too. Yeah, absolutely. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay, who would go and read a book based on one of these recommendations? Has anyone has anyone felt tempted to to, to read a book based on any of them? Does anyone feel? Do you mean inspired? who would go and read? Like what sort of person? No, could you possibly. <laughs> oh right, no, you mean us? Yeah, you, Lucy Dallas, have <laughs> read. House? I thought you meant her. No, it wasn't a rhetorical question. Oh right, whose house would you break into <laughs> and scour their shelves until you found the books that, that they he mentioned? mentioned. In yeah, this? exactly. Well, who would who who do you think is a good? I'll tell you one I like. Who's David Bromwich. I don't yeah. know if that's how you say it. Yeah. I've got Bromwich. Brecht collected poems. Yeah. Um, just because there were some really good lines from it. Some lines. The man who laughs has simply not yet heard the terrifying news. <laughs> yeah, and there's another one. Would it not be simpler if the government dismissed the people and elected another one? Yeah. That's kind of apropos, isn't it? Yeah, it's cheery. I'm quite tempted to read Buddenbrooks. 
Yeah, well, I mean... Oh, okay. Have you read, Michael... Is that you... because of your lingering nostalgia for the... 19th century? Yeah. Do you know what? Or what I call the future. Yeah, well, you call the future. Do you know what? I actually read some years ago, but with great pleasure, The Magic Mountain. Mm. I think Thomas Mann's other well-known book. And I found it such a joy, and it's this sort of immersive... A guy goes to meet his cousin at a sanatorium in Davos... Uh, amusingly enough and he hangs out there he's not allowed actually they think he's got tb is it tb mm-hmm. uh, and he's there for seven years and he meets a lot of people who are sort of symbolic of europe in the pre-war and then the war happens and everything ends but the actual story of being confined in these lovely chairs and looking out over the thing i found sort of remarkably consoling has anyone here read Buddenbrooks? Can anyone? I have not. No. Oh, come uh, on. Like really. I, I make us do this on a podcast. Well, no, I, expect, I, I expect four, four TLS editors. I think that's another desponding thing about these lists, isn't it? Is surely, you're, even if you, you're asking, would we follow in these recommendations, the more inclined to make me say no. Some of the poetry ones are very interesting. I'd like to pick up some of those. The Breck, certainly. Ken Smith. But the other thing is you realise you're never going to read all of this. This is the collective wisdom of 60-odd brilliant minds. Yeah, actually, that's one of the chastening things, isn't it? We, our yeah. books table, we should, we should tweet a photograph of our books table oh, because, yeah, that, because that's <laughs> a table of books all produced, or a large amount of them will be produced by very clever people for very laudable reasons, for very little money, I mm. would think, generally speaking. And even we try and cover an awful lot of books on an awful lot of subjects and a lot of them will just sit there and then get moved on. It's a, Absolutely. Thomas Mann also gave me one of my favourite ever headlines at the TLS because he was horrible to his son, Klaus Mann, which gave the headline Man's Inhumanity to Man. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Michael, people can't, see, good. people can't see your shrugging gesture. <laughs> uh, any others that you might be, you might be tempted by? I think I, I'm going to be tempted by, I suspect, the same book as I was tempted by last year, which um, <laughs> I was think... Was it by Julia Bueno? <laughs> no, no, I've read that one. Now in paper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good I book. I think Very you may have Very said to me last year, are you going to read it? Are you definitely going to read it? And I have read lots of books this year. I'm very proud to say. What was it? It's The uh, Certain Idea of France by J- Julian Jackson, the biography of Charles de Gaulle. Oh. Which Roy Foster recommends... Uh, as well as a book I have read, biography of Eric Hobsbawm by yep. Richard Evans, which is tremendous. But I keep meaning to read a certain idea of France. And are you going? It's very long, isn't it? It is rather long. I, but I really will know a lot more about France if I read it, and only certain, about De Gaulle. A certain, certain, yeah, but version. you know, <laughs> good point. De Gaulle's idea of France is a pretty good. I think one you should there. probably start <laughs> with a certain idea of France and then build from there. I think, I think, I think, that, I think that's. You could read that and serotonin, and then you'd think, oh, hang on a minute. Can I ask if anyone's read serotonin? No, oh, come no. on, guys. Where's no our way. preparation well, for it? Lucy has yeah. read another French novel that's recommended twice. That's I have. True. Thank what? you. Thank you what? very much for that. Oh, have you? Lovely. Yes. Yeah, don't what? So what? <laughs> You've read something? Yes. And, and as relevant? You, as you will remember, Stig, I reviewed it for the Times Literary Supplement. Oh, go on. Uh, Animalia by Tell Jean us about, I do remember Delamont, this now, of course. Tell he us. said quickly. We spoke about um, it on the podcast, in fact. Yes, I think, yes. In fact, I think we so did. So tell us. Give Regular us the, give listeners us, will remember. Give us the, uh, <laughs> give us the cliff's notes. Uh, well, it is about, uh, it's about sort of 100 years of the same family who farm pigs. You liked it. I I think I was on the podcast as well when we talked about it. I think like is a a difficult one. Yeah, like is, is, it was very, it's very, very difficult and depressing 
There's no joy or light, but that's on purpose. (laughs) Especially, it turns out, if you're a pig farmer in this particular family. Um, But I was really, really delighted to discover, in fact, I've underlined it a number of times. I know exactly what you're going to say. Go on. Because one of the people who recommends it says he's a vegetarian and he lives with two rescue pigs. I underlined that too. (laughs) Which is just brilliant. (laughs) Because, actually, a lot of the book is about, like, they, they mistreat the pigs awfully and they don't... They, they can't think of them as being able to feel or... They can't allow that possibility because they're so awful to the pigs and, the, and their livelihood depends on it. It doesn't depend on them being that awful, but they can't open the door to the possibility that the pigs might have any kind of feelings, even of pain, let alone emotion, mm. because that would their Bring lives the wouldn't be down. able to go on. Yeah, does it exactly. put you off eating bacon? Yes. Yes, it does. Has it stopped you eating bacon? Not completely. No, not completely, but I'm making great and concerted efforts. And it's part of that... that part, well, not that, just because of that. No, book, but, but it's part of the sort of spirit of the age. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Oh, that's good that it's kind of... It's kind and of... actually the nice bit at the end is when one of the, the, the big pig, who's called the Beast, he, mm. he escapes and he gets out into the countryside and he's never been in the countryside oh. before. And that's actually rather lovely because he's kind of like... He's sniffing about and going, whoa, what's this? <laughs> and he goes under a tree and there's nobody like... Hitting him really hard. In the pantheon of novels featuring pigs as characters, where would you put it? Is it's it, the most depressing of the is novels. Is it better than Animal Farm? Is it better than uh, sheep, yeah, sheep, sheep Pig? Or, or, There's a whole feature to be written about this, isn't it? The pigs in literature. Uh, and, or, or Charlotte's Web. Babe, Charlotte's Web. Babe is the sheep pig. Empress of Blandings is, is the, uh, yeah, cano- but, is the canonical mean, pig, surely. But you don't, like, you don't get her point of view. Well, she, you do. You get, you get a sense of how much she likes to eat and and sort of relax. Yeah. You see, she has a much nicer. She's got time a great day. She has fifty-seven thousand calories a day. Than the pigs in Animalia. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah. I've, not I've read heard that. it yeah. said. Certainly yeah. not read that those books too much. Uh, I feel we're going down a slight uh, sidetrack here. One last thing, David. Uh, before we give our own, there's quite a lot of history books. Uh, I thought is that because they're playing to the choir of you and trying to no. reward your subject. I has it been many a... of them have no idea who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he emailing me again? Yeah, exactly. Who is, this who, who is this horse, Paul? <laughs> has it been a bump? Does it feel like it's been a good year for, for history? Um, like big bump? Because there's Dermot yeah. McCulloch's book on Thomas Cromwell. Well, that was that, actually that also, last I think, last year. Oh, you, let, yes. you, let, you let that in? I did let it in because, again, I think it may have been published... In America, Peter Green's in America, so oh, maybe fair. we can we can forget a bit can, later. Yeah, has it been a good year? I think it's been a pretty good year. For lots history. of books about Hitler. Uh, there are always lots of books about Hitler, uh, but other than that, there have been some very good history books. Um, and yeah, I mean, for example, about Charlemagne and about all sorts of different aspects of history. So big, we, the big blockbuster history book's still there, isn't it? Churchill and... Yeah, absolutely. There was a very big Churchill biography at the beginning of the year, Andrew Roberts. Um, and, yeah, they continue to... To weigh us all down. Weigh to you down. wallop onto my desk, yes. Right, we're going to get to our own choices, but before we do, a short message from our friends at Harvard University Press. It's published a compelling new biography that recasts the most important European statesman of the first half of the 19th century, famous for his alleged arch-conservatism and pursuit of international peace. It's Clemens von Metternich, who is one of those figures whom I've heard a bit about but couldn't write with any great confidence or length about either. He's got a reputation as the epitome of reactionary conservatism. Historians treat him as the arch enemy of progress, a ruthless aristocrat who used his power as the dominant European statesman of the first half of the 19th century. 
to stifle liberalism, suppress national independence and oppose the dreams of social change that inspired the revolutionaries of 1848. But in this book, Wolfram Seaman paints a fundamentally new image of the man who shaped Europe for over four decades. He reveals him as more modern and his career as much more forward-looking than we've ever recognised. Hailed on its German publication as a masterpiece of historical writing, Metternich is an essential guide to 19th century Europe and therefore the modern world. And Harvard University Press are offering 30% off all books throughout December. So head to www.hup.harvard.edu. That's hup.harvard.edu to order Metternich at a discounted price. David, are you an expert on Metternich? I am not, but I have just been reading a very long review of that very book, uh, I'm pleased to say, by a former editor of the TLS. Really? Which one? By Ferdinand Mount. Oh, lovely. We'll be reviewing it... We will be reviewing it shortly. At length. uh, At length and with great interest. And I I, I can give you an interesting metonic fact, if you'd like. I think Thea would like this too. Uh, The Sacher Tort was created for Metternich. Oh. Yeah, by a teenage... A uh, chef called Sachertort. What is a Sachertort? A Sachertort is a lovely chocolate cake, Austrian chocolate cake. Quite easy. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, a bit of apricot jam and stuff in mm. it. Oh, it's delicious. Historical cakes would be an, an article mm. I'd read there. Mm. Apple Charlotte, that's about Princess Charlotte, isn't it? Oh, there you are. Isn't it? I think so. <laughs> Crepes Crepes, yeah. It's not really a cake, but. Confectionery of I'm sure there's something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Peach Melbourne. <laughs> it's not a cake, but it's named, it's named <laughs> after the opposite. You're just saying yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much half this podcast here. I don't, know if you, uh, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> right. Cheese on toast. <laughs> I thought you weren't listening. No, well, I was, I was trying to move things on subtly. <laughs> and the mic is on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do like cheese on toast. Right. Our own choices for books of the year. David, to set the rules, they have to be books, they don't yes. have to be of the year. Oh. <laughs> Is that right. fair? Well, that's pretty much the rules you've adopted in this in this whole yes, feature. I don't I've, think we could start I've let more nothing strict. through that isn't a book, which yeah. isn't true of every year, because no. someone did a podcast once. Did they? Yes. Who did that? I can't remember, but somebody did choose um, a spin-off podcast from This American Life. It's just a... Yeah, a free-for-all. Just a, yeah. Oh, Serial. Serial, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a different oh, sorry, one. Sorry, S-Town. Yeah. Which is all right. S-Town. Yeah. Uh, who wants to go first? I've spoken enough. Michael Keynes. Oh, hello. A book of this year, or indeed any year, potentially 300 years ago. Ah, now. <laughs> Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think I've got two published this year. Can I go for two? Yeah, go One is two. actually I've got, I've got somewhere. One is actually in this list. I think This Is Pleasure by Mary Gatskill is fantastic. I think it's to be reviewed shortly in the TLS. I can't say by him. But it's a really fantastic, very short sort of me too uh, spin. It's really intriguing and brilliant. And I say, can't say too much about it without ruining it, but it's a man and a woman writing about a case involving the man. Um, and it quickly turns everything upside down. It's just ingenious. I love it. And it is a tiny book. It's possibly only 100 pages. Oh, amazing. So you'll just, you know, one train trip, you'll have it. And, and is she a big thing, Mary Gutsker? Yeah, yeah. She's actually been she's featured in um, Books of the Year in the TLS a couple of times, I think. She's chosen yep. a couple of years ago by um, DJ Taylor, and I think she's a really good thing. I really like her short fiction. Um, I'm not so sure about some of the bigger 
novels. But yeah, she's great. And the other thing I think is completely different is um, but I, something I reviewed in the TLS in the summer, which is um, the end of uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a comic series by oh. Mr. Alan Moore and Mr. Kevin O'Neill, which yeah. has been running for some years now. And Love that piece. This, um, this thing that they finished, this great sort of comic sequence, manages to draw on everything out of copyright in terms of adventure, fiction, and quite a few things that are in. It's kind of um, modernised as it's gone along. It started off with 19th century figures like Alan Quatermain and Mina yeah. Harker, and then it's moved on through the 20th century, and it's sort of broadened out and become a ridiculously large conspiracy, and all kinds of silly things happen. And in the end, this is the swan song, and it um, pays tribute to all kinds of different comic styles. One, I, I got the individual issues, but the the bound finished version is now out with some extra material in it and both that finished version and one of the comics comes with a pair of 3d specs for the 3d Ooh. panels it's really something quite special uh, is it very literary it's very literary do you think it's very li- there's all kinds of little tributes to um american and british styles of comics um and also some scores settled which I rather like too because i think moore is a, is a mistreated man as well oh, do you he's a massive man in the world though isn't he he's, he's sort of much lauded as well yeah i mean he's a cult figure but um he's had various difficulties with yeah. you know americans you could say that's that's gone on every time somebody tries to make a film yeah. of one of his works yeah. um and uh, so this is this there's some good little scores settled here do you like know what it. i wish i'd, I'd learnt when i was growing up was how to read comics properly because i find that my eye isn't trained well and so when i read books i read quickly really with the sort of narrative propulsion i think with comics there's a certain amount of pause you have to give on each frame because you you get the the dialogue but then also there's kind of a moment where you've got to pause to, to judge it as a little picture often with these things have intricate details and nods and jokes and i don't think my brain reads them very well so even stuff like i bought for my kids like asterisks which i think is very good or watchmen which i read this year i can see the, the brilliance of it but i just don't quite get into the rhythm of it i find the rhythm really really difficult and i've said that to a couple of people and i don't think it's entirely just me being thick i think there is a there is a sort of if you don't get to it early you don't train yourself how to read them do you buy that at all, do you think? Yeah, I can see that, that there's a kind of way of getting into And also, I mean, I've been reading a little bit of manga recently, then you have to train yourself to go backwards. Or they reset mm. it, and that sort of slightly messes up the artwork. So there is a whole question of, you know, whether you're just completely used to that idea. And I don't, I don't think I pick up everything, especially in these ones that are really loaded with detail. Yeah. Um, but also, then, maybe it's in the gift of the artist as well to organise something so that your eye just flows it. over. Because in Watchmen, there's bits of ga- jokes where they run, like, narrative autobiography and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, and which yeah. is in prose. And I found myself just reading that really easily then going back to sort of slightly battling through I enjoyed it but it wasn't straightforward read, read for me I think it's quite a good practice to have to read something a bit differently yeah, whether it's sometimes right. it's chunks of prose and then a picture or you know or whatever it is or whether it's like you say like the manga backwards or yeah. or even if you're not used to reading poetry read a bit of poetry and just I think it's probably quite useful or not useful and it usually clicks at some good. point doesn't yeah. it a lot of people said that I remember when um a girl is a half-formed thing came out and people sort of maybe hadn't read something in stream of consciousness since they were at university or something and it takes a while mm. for your 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 mind to get into that flow and to start to read yeah. it without yeah. being really aware of how you were reading it but it's like a, yeah it's like a dialect or another language isn't it and once you've got it it's great and then you've got mm. another way of looking at things yeah the, the negative side of that is it can be very self-indulgent type of those things where it's a massive effort to get in because the author's taken no trouble to get you in Yes, but that depends on the quality of the work, yeah, I right. guess. Go on, Lucy, give us, give us, give us your, your books of the year. How many? 
how many? Don't look like confused. I'm about to ask you that question. <laughs> it's the entire premise for this podcast. I sent you an email Again, early no, this morning where I said this I'm is what we're going busy, to do. Stick. I know you are. And we are launching the website. I didn't understand it. We are no, launching. I mean, are we launching the website? New it, website. It's, it's it's almost launched. Yeah. lots of people can see it already. And, rah, and it looks lovely, doesn't it? So, that, so, so that's yeah. your excuse. But even it's within not my that, excuse, I've read loads of books. Yeah, I feel that you could have All prepared I, an answer to the question. I have prepared an answer to the question, <laughs> which is. Do you mean books that I've read or books that I would recommend? No, books you've read. Then oh, surely okay. the nature of books of the year huh? involves reading. Although I do reckon, don't get cross. Do you reckon David might... <laughs> Calm reckon, down, dear. Yeah. Are you saying there's no overlap? Books you'd recommend and books you've read? Oh, I've read that. Don't go there. Yeah. OK, all right. So I've read I some books. I reckon some people in TLS history have recommended books they've not read. I'm sure that's got to be true. Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't do yeah. that. <laughs> not this year. I've been rereading a lot this year. That's good. I love So I'll tell you what I recommend. Middlemarch. Yes. It's very good. It is very good. I've been good. rereading that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, La Reine Margot by ah. Dumas. I did read The Three Musketeers again, but it was La Reine Margot that really got me this time. Is La Reine Margot as good as The Three Musketeers? I think in in some ways it is, yeah. It's really brilliant. Yeah. It's all about the um, the Medici's and the, I don't know whether the history is right. David will know. And the Huguenot, the Bartholomew massacre, was, yeah, massacre it's, it's and stuff. Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I know that that happened. Terrible. I don't yes. know about the details. We watched the film of it in my A level history. That's presumably too rude for no, A level. That's the reason I remember it. Oh yeah, it's, there you go. There are, it's a French film. It's a French film, and there is some racy moments. But in it. the film is very, very serious and doesn't capture the joy of it. There's an enormous amount of joy yeah. and fun in oh, it. I might, the film Lucy, I'm, I might actually accept that recommendation because I'm not sure I've read it. It's very, very good. Yeah, I've read a lot of Dumas, and I've loved the Musketeer series and the sequel particularly. Yeah, but La Reine Margot is great. Those... Did you read it in French? Yes. Ugh. Sorry. So, she, so chic, don't isn't it? So, don't know, chic. He no. said it in an accusing well, no, way. I just it's chic, isn't it? But I've also read some new books. Go on. But they so so they're all science fiction. <laughs> That's okay, Lucy. We're a broad church here. I know. And David reminded me that last year I too chose uh, a graphic novel or comic, as some people call them. Okay, it's all right. Uh, one of them is uh, Michael's not chosen anything on the 18th century. You're, you're allowed no, to make that exactly. He was willing Break to out of your, yeah. of your um, confines, yeah. like a large pig roaming <laughs> through the forest. <laughs> of yeah. Break out, yeah. As Michael the Beast. <laughs> the Beast games. That's a bit unfair. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the Doctor's a better nickname. Uh, Exhalation by Ted Chiang, which is a set of short stories. I suddenly remembered it just now. I think it's called Exhalation. It's very, very good. Okay. Really good. And I have been reading a an eight-novel series Jeez. of hard space opera, like really set in space. Yeah. With, space opera? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Called The just Expanse. Checking. Yeah by James S.A. Corey, which is actually two people. And I think there's a TV thing of it, but I haven't seen and how, the TV and how, thing. Is this what is known as hard SF? Yeah, it's exactly that, yeah. Because it's full of buttons and flashy things. Well, it's not only that, but the science, as far as we know, it has to sort of work. Yeah, okay. so, so nothing goes, I can tell you at some length, I've just yeah. read... And I've read seven and I'm waiting for the eighth. Oh. Um, the, uh, so you can't go faster than the speed of light. No. Right, you can do all sorts of things, yeah. crazy stuff that may may be possible in the future, but you can't go faster than the speed of light. You can't just do magic. That's okay. not what it is. Uh, and I'm complete. I was completely addicted to it. Would I mean, you I recommend was- it to a non-aficionado? Because like I'm slightly. Intimidated I think, by that. No, I think I'd go for Ted Chang, which okay. is just brilliant. Doesn't matter. It, I mean, it's it, it is science fiction, but it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it doesn't anyway. But but they're particularly brilliant. I think. Um, but this one you might. 
I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's I think it's great. May I ask, with this space opera, mm-hmm. what are the what are the threats in the world? Well, there's all sorts of threats. Or in in the in, in the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never heard anyone hold a term at arm's length. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What is this? You could, you yeah, could yeah. hear the square space. quotes. The square quotes were there, weren't they? They were yeah, vocalised right. square quotes. Well, so I don't a, usually go much further yeah. than the kitchen sink yeah. for my fiction. So. What is this moving picture of which you speak? It's a very interesting <laughs> question, Theo, actually, because answer it quickly. There are there are, also, there are alien threats, okay. which you might expect, but there are very much human threats. A lot of it is about politics uh, because it's just a thought experiment. All fiction yeah. is a thought it's experiment. Like, There's like no such all, thing as science fiction. It's like all it. historical fiction set in the present. Yeah, that. I had to think about that for <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, but it, is, it also is. Yeah. Um, Thea? Well, I, I say I, I don't go very far from the kitchen sink, but I've, I've in fact gone to a ferry terminal in Spain okay. for, for my choice. So I'm choosing um, Kevin Barry's Night Boat to Tangier. Ah. So I'm actually I'm, I'm taking Marjorie Perloff's suggestion and choosing something old and something new. So the something new is this Kevin Barry novel, and it is set in uh, this Spanish ferry terminal, two ageing Irish gangsters um, uh, waiting for a young woman, a daughter, and it's a very it's a very Irish waiting. It's like deep waiting, deep, <laughs> deep, complicated waiting. Um, Bequettian waiting. Yes, Bequettian waiting, and it's crime and consequence oh, and, uh, and conscience uh, with no redemption. So that's... That's, that's cheery. That's cheery, yeah. Uh, and it's short, but he his his style, Kevin Barry's style, is such that he really does a lot with. I think it's probably about 140 pages, something oh, like that. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe a little that's bit longer. Two short recommendations in this. That's, um, that's useful for people. And that balances my something old, which um, I've mentioned on this podcast already this year. Actually, Elizabeth Jane Howard, The Light Years, the first volume of the Casale Chronicles. I had never read any Elizabeth Jane Howard and now I'm I'm, I'm I'm becoming increased I just haven't read anything that good when's it set? well so it's a family saga and it, it's the kind of book with so many characters in it that you, you need and you have a, a family tree at the start oh, lovely, of it. Yeah. Uh, so it starts in 1937 I think it is or 35 and goes through eventually to the 1950s and it is just just so beautifully written and it's long and it's immersive it and the dialogue is incredible she writes children just amazingly and Hilary Mantel is a massive fan and um, she hoped a few years ago that Elizabeth Jane Howard would kind of see the same kind of second wave of success as Barbara Pym and Elizabeth Taylor have and I don't know if I mean I know people know about yeah. her but People don't seem to be as excited as, as I am now that I've read her. And I've sort of told myself that I'm going to ration it and, ha- and read one of the five Casale Chronicles a year. But I can see that that's very quickly not going to happen. No, I'm I think gorging on books. Binge book- them. Yeah, binging on books is, is that's great. David Horsepool. Uh, I believe I there's a book give, by. Well, there's Julia a book. Bueno. I think we've mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Uh, I could give you a, a, a novel. Okay. Uh, that I love very much. One of my favourite writers, Colson Whitehead, published The Nickel Boys this year, which is a pretty short novel as well, actually, with a bit of a theme. It's about a sort of reform school in the south of the United States uh, in, I think, about the 50s. And it's incredibly cruel and violent, as you might expect. And it's this very kind of shocking 
story, but it's very kind of sparely told. It's not overindulgent at all, and it's got a brilliant kind of twist within it. Um, did you like the Underground Railroad? I did, yeah. Um, and a lot of his that? books are very kind of... They have a kind of slightly tricksy premise, like the Underground Railroad had in uh, his book about... Um, literally lift. Underground Railroad. Exactly. Premise, yeah. And he had a book about lift um, people who were in charge of elevators, some of whom intuited whether they needed uh, repairing or not, and some of whom did it practically. And uh, usually they're a kind of allegory of race. Actually, The Nickel Boys is much more kind of straight than that, and I think it's just a fantastic novel. Oh, lovely. Um, and I haven't heard it spoken about that much. I can give you a, a history book. I would do it's your area of expertise. Uh, All history is set in the present. Well, there's a republished <laughs> history book that I read this year, uh, which is absolutely brilliant, which is Cornelius Ryan's A Bridge Too Far, published by Library of America. It's the story of Operation Market Garden, is which that, was turned into that uh, magnificent film. Um, is that the man with, with it who says, I don't need a gun, I've got an umbrella? Yes, uh, true story. And he po- then he uses an umbrella and he pokes it through an armoured car's visor and kills someone with it. Yeah, and, and in fact, Cornelius Ryan tells the story of that man among many others, and, and some of the stories within it are even more uh, extraordinary than are told in the film and it's just beautifully done he wrote it when he was dying from prostate cancer and he he kind of wrote it against the clock and he stopped taking his medication so he could do it and you get that real sense of urgency carrying on carrying on this sort of disaster unfolding and all the different ways in which it did and um yeah it's uh quite a kind of special read to me because uh my mother was in holland at the time all that was going on so she kind of has always kind of told me about this time when the canadians came and you know, and it was incredibly exciting. Uh, so that's one. One published actually this year for the first time is um, Crucible by Charles Emerson, a book about the end of the First World War, which sweeps the whole way across the world, to a sort of intimate picture of Lenin, Trotsky, Freud, all around the world, even includes this remarkable character I didn't know, Claire Sheridan, Churchill's cousin, who was a sculptor who modelled many of We the, had a good review on this book. We did. We? Um, yeah. Lucy Hughes-Hallett wrote yeah. a good review. And she, she modelled these, these people. She had an affair with Charlie Chaplin. You know, it all, it's all kind of unfolding in front of you. It's like a historical novel, but... But true. Um, it's There's definitely true. a novel to be written Completely, like that. yeah. Amazing. Uh, shall I do mine? Yes, I'll please. do it very briefly. I've done one from each century since the 18th in homage to Michael, <laughs> which I actually have read this year because I've read a lot of books this year. 18th century, Michael... Inspired partially by your essay on the subject, is the 200th anniversary of this great poem by Byron, Don Juan, oh. which I thought I wouldn't like. It is so good. The rhyming in it is so perfectly done. It romps along like a historical novel, but it's in verse. The shade he throws on his fellow poets alone is worth it. There's a bit at the beginning, the ep- the, the prologue. Yeah. It's like something from Eight Mile. It's sort of he's sort of standing there. <laughs> yeah. And he has yeah. a go at the Lake Poets and he has a go at um Bob Sour yeah, Southey. Yeah. And he and he talks about him having a dry bob, which is a name for uh, sex without ejaculation. So he's just sort of he's, he's sort of throwing this shade everywhere. He hates Wordsworth. Absolutely. Doesn't like Coleridge. No, explain your explanation. Explain yeah, exactly. And the rhyming is it's all often feminine rhymes and they just come back and they are so brilliant Brilliantly done, and I just thought it was magnificent. 19th century, Moby Dick, read this year again, having not finished it the first time properly when I had to do it at university, and absolutely loved it, particularly the first 150 pages, which are this Dickensian romp before he got into Shakespeare and went a bit weird. But the first 150 pages, particularly good. 20th century, 
Recommendation from reading the TLS, The Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, which who I'd never properly even heard of. And we had that feature about sort of witty women of the mid-century America. It's a book about living in Florida as a black woman and unhappy marriages therein. That's the 20th century. 21st century... I'll go for The Hero by Lee Child, published by TLS, TLS Books. Of Tell us about that yeah, one. No, no, no. I believe we may have covered that uh, uh, somewhere else at some length. Uh, well, David, I feel that was a, a good a good discussion of Books of the Year. You, we survived. We've survived it, and it's a really... Actually, I even sent you an email. I enjoyed it when I read it the first time, these Books of the Year, saying how much... Well, they, lots of interesting recommendations. Nothing too obscure, nothing too no, annoying. no. Nothing very, at all no. obscure, really. No. Very nice indeed. Thank you all. That's all we've got time for this week. Get subscribing to the TLS, get buying TLS merch, and let us know what you think of the website. If it's nice, send it to Lucy. If it's not nice, send it to me, and I won't show it to Lucy. I'll just sort of grouch around the place a little bit. Uh, this week, the paper is full of great stuff. A historian, David Horsepool, yes. whose nickname was Constipation, because he was a shit that was impossible to shift. Yes. Do you want to say who it was? Go on. Lewis Namier. Lewis Namier. And we actually have a piece by Lewis Namier in the paper. Yeah, I found a piece because he also used to write for the TLS, uh, not that we revealed it at the time. But yes, um, it's brilliant uh, synergy going on because we've got a biography of Lewis Lewis Namier reviewed. We've got a thing by Lewis Namier and he's writing about Hitler and we've also got a review of biographies. It almost looks like this whole thing's been edited. It's unbelievable. There's also a great piece of Lucian Freud, some musings on wokeness and much more. Next week we'll do some politics and probably have to pick something less depressing as well. Until then, from Thea and from me, goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.